0: On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dawn Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dawn Group of Companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dawn's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution, it's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdawn.com We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on.
1: Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. It is a chilly one here in Toronto and across the country. Uh, As always, we have a great guest on today. And sadly, today, my co-host, Meg The Temp, or just Meg, you can call her. She is joining us in place of Stefania. But this will be Meg's last podcast as she is heading out for Greener Pastures um, Meg, how are you doing?
2: I'm
3: doing great today,
2: Michael. Happy to step in. Uh, it's definitely bittersweet in that this will be the last podcast I am on, but I'm really excited about our guest today and, and really happy I got the chance to step in for one last recording uh, On the Way Home.
1: Hey, if nothing else, you know, you'll know you always have these podcasts are forever. I'm sure you'll be you know, making your grandkids listen to them on whatever the latest technology is. In the future, and saying I was once a podcast star called Meg the Temp. Uh, Meg, what is happening at Blue Door right now uh, in your final week at Blue Door? What's going on? Anything special happening?
2: We have a ton of stuff going on at Blue Door as usual. Uh, We are really preparing for our coldest night of the year event, which is um, at the end of February. Um, where we walk we're actually doing it vi- virtual this year just in light of uh, covid 19 and keeping everybody safe but our team is prepping for volunteers for a promotion for that whole walking event uh, there's obviously still a great need for support in the housing and homelessness sector particularly at blue door um, and our programs uh, mosaic interfaith out of the cold program as well providing emergency shelter so that event is going to raise a lot of funds and be really great for us so we are organizing all those teams to get out and go that's on February 26th and people can um, find more information on that specific event at cnoy.org slash Richmond Hill for our event but the events are actually across Canada so organizations across Canada are walking Um, so it's a great Canada wide event for people to support those experiencing homelessness.
1: Hey, listen, and speaking of Canada-wide and national, let me tell you a little bit about our guests we have today. Uh, We have Scott McAfee. He is the chair of the National Advisory Council on Poverty. Scott is a student of life, seeking out the new, innovative and interesting and connecting them to each other and existing systems. He lives and works from a strength-based approach where all people have something to contribute. He spent the last 19 years with the government of New Brunswick working on poverty reduction through the Department of Social Development, Economic and Social Inclusion Corporation. Scott supported the creation and evolution of the community inclusion networks and has helped with the development of over 500 community projects. He's chaired the Omista Credit Union, Fallsbrook Center, New Brunswick Food Security Action Network, and the Fredericton Loyalist Rugby Club. He looks like a rugby player. He has also sat on the boards of the Atlantic Summer Institute the Healthy Eating Physical Activity Coalition, and Team Rural MB. Scott is passionate about asset-based community development, storytelling, literacy, community transportation, and social enterprise. Scott, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome,
2: Scott. Well, I'm going to start off first with a question we ask all of our guests on the On The Way Home podcast. Our first question is, what does home mean to you?
3: Yeah, uh, uh, amazing question. So I think... uh, when I think of home, I think of kind of two things. One, the I, it's an, I think it's an idea and a place. Um, I think the idea of home is somewhere you, where you belong. Uh, I think both ways, like two-way belonging. So you belong to it; it belongs to you. Uh, and uh, and the other piece is it's somewhere that's you know safe, secure, uh, where you're uh, cared for, you feel love. I think that's kind of when I think of home. Um, sometimes it's a place. Sometimes it's a it's people, but uh, it's always uh, it's always full of care and love.
2: Awesome, that's a great answer. I love the duality of that, and uh, always fun to hear everybody's interpretation of what home means to them. So let's talk about the National Advisory Council on Poverty. Who are they, and what is their mandate?
3: Yeah, so uh, in 2019, there was a call for applications. Uh, they received about 800. Applications from across the country. Uh, after, like, what seemingly it was a super long process. Um, in August, uh, ten folks from across the country got got a call um, from Minister Duclos at the time, uh, and uh, so we're a diverse group from coast to coast to coast, from Vancouver to uh, to Yellowknife to uh, to Fredericton, New Brunswick, and uh, at all points in between. Uh, we have ten members. Uh, very, very diverse, uh, and really kind of uh, a lot of people that are doing great work in in of, on their own, uh, and then collectively we uh, have a, a kind of a shared respect, and uh, and uh, it's really a working council. We do a lot of uh, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, we have three mandates: uh, provide independent advice to the minister of uh, families, so uh, Karina Gould, the Honourable Karina Gould. Um, uh, the second one is to produce a report on the progress of. Uh, towards uh, poverty goals annually. So the poverty uh, goals are a 20% reduction of poverty by the year 2020, which we, we hit. Um, uh, mind you, that was based on 2018 numbers, so we'll see what the pandemic has in store for us. And, uh, and then the, and the second goal is to a 50% reduction in poverty in Canada um, by the year 2030. That lines up with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, and the third mandate, I guess there's a fourth mandate too, but uh, the third mandate is to have an ongoing conversation with Canadians about poverty, uh, and that's why it's so great to be on your show today. Um, the fourth mandate is other duties as assigned. Um, so uh, I think that everyone has that in the very small print at the, their, at the end of their employment contracts, but that's uh, definitely in ours as well. So we can be directed uh, by the minister to kind of look at anything that, that she has uh, a particular interest in.
1: Well, I think that makes total sense. When you have a group this talented uh, together, right, and and as new challenges come up, they're going to definitely throw them your way. One of of your goals, I think, is to produce an annual report for this council, right? So can you talk about the process about putting this all together?
3: Yeah, so uh, interesting times to produce an annual report. So uh, when we started out, we had a a really big eight-week plan to go coast to coast to coast. Uh, We started uh, in... March 2020, and we were on. A, we landed in Vancouver, and we spent two days in Vancouver. At the time, there were ten COVID cases in Vancouver, um, in West Van. That was it in Vancouver, and then, um, and then we went to Yellowknife and Edmonton, uh, Saskatoon, Prince Albert, uh, and Winnipeg. When we landed in Winnipeg uh, on the 12th of March 2020, um, the world shut down on the 12th of March 2020. Um, that was when it was declared a global pandemic. Uh, the airports were empty. It was the weirdest, weirdest thing. Leaving Winnipeg, flying back to uh, East Coast, uh, got home on the 14th, and I've been here for two years since. Um, we had met with about 200 people living in poverty uh, between in those first two weeks. I had uh, circle conversations, you know, gathered people together, went to where they were, um, you know, met around food. Uh, we had uh, some questions. Our question we started with was, what does poverty mean to you? Uh, which was a question that we worked through with uh, a human-centered design uh, specialist. Uh, because it was a question you could lean in and lean out from. Um, so if they wanted to talk about their personal experience, they could. But they could also talk about what the idea of poverty meant to them. I think that's why I like your home question. Because um, you could lean in and lean out from that one as well. Uh, so uh, we so the 200 people, we, we produced our first report based on that. Uh, we came home, uh, did a lot of thinking, dug into the stats, and uh, and we produced a report with uh, five recommendations initially. So in 2020, the 2020 report has five recommendations. It was released in 2021. Um, in 2021, obviously, uh, we don't want to be this council. Didn't want to be the cause of bringing COVID to any uh, impoverished communities or uh, anybody at all. So we uh, we decided to go virtual. We started with a plan to have about uh, eight. Virtual national conversations that were theme-based. Um, so we had we uh, conversations based on like food security and uh, and literacy and uh, place-based poverty reduction. So incorporating that kind of local aspect into it, uh, institutional care uh, and if, and racialized populations. Um, some of the big kind of uh, and, and housing homelessness, obviously. Um, and from that we, we we heard lots of interesting stuff. So we we the first kind of six or eight we uh, we evolved our thinking. So we're like, well, we're hearing a lot about this. Let's have another conversation about this. So we expanded. We went into uh, like gender. So gender was a big one. Um, uh, the two S LGBTQ. Um, that was another one where we heard we started hearing a lot of uh, you know things around homelessness and poverty and different different uh, supports that were required. Uh, we went to social innovation as well, because a lot of, we heard a lot of people doing a lot of pretty cool things. So it was an interesting process, so, uh, and we kept expanding. And then when we didn't hear enough from a certain place, we are like, well, let's just go talk to them. So we, we, we talked to the Yukon, we talked to Quebec a couple of times, Newfoundland. And East Coast representation was a little bit uh, slow initially. We talked to Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, PEI. Um, some of the places that didn't have as much representation in our national conversations, just to make sure we had a truly national, um, outlook on, on poverty. Amazing. Uh, we took that, sorry. Oh yeah. So we took that, all that information and in which you can imagine it ended up being 22 sessions, um, and, and we built on as we went. So, uh, um, we produced kind of pages of, of documentation, uh, as we went. So it was kind of, uh, what we heard sheets. From each individual conversation, uh, we look for common themes. Um, we pulled them out and then said, "Well, okay, now what? What's the policy gap? What's the what's the lever we have here?" Because um, a lot of poverty is, uh, uh, you know, we we try to figure out how, how we can how we can actually change it. Uh, a lot of poverty is is ingrained. It's systemic. It's it's hard to get to. Um, and so that was uh, that was where we went. Got with the report. It Took us about five months to. To put it together, and then it was—it was, was going to be hopefully released on uh, the October seventeenth, which is the Inter- International Day of Eradication of Poverty. And then they called the federal election, um, so then everything got kind of paused. And then, so our report got released mid-December uh, on a day that was really <laughs> didn't have any significance at all. But it was a good day for us because it meant the report was out, and we could start working the next one.
2: Right. Amazing. Thank you, Scott, for, for sharing those details. And can you maybe share with us some of the highlights or learnings in particular from the year's report?
3: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a really, um, poverty is an interesting piece. And I think when we get to that question of what does poverty mean to you, um, we really got into it a bit that it was poverty's individual experience. Um, and no one, no two people experience poverty in the same way. Um, But we also learned that uh, and we heard often that poverty was an individual experience of a systemic inequity. So it's not something they're doing particularly themselves to be in poverty. Um, There's a system at play that's putting them uh, at greater risk of being in poverty. Um, we heard a lot about insert intersections, Uh, the biggest intersection of all being gender. Um, So if you're a female in Canada, the odds of you living in poverty are heightened. Um, And as soon as you start adding any, uh, you know, any risk factors or any different differences at all uh, into that mix, then your risk of poverty uh, gets exponential. So if you're uh, if you're if, if you're racialized, uh, if you uh, uh, gender gender identity, uh, sexual identity, uh, location, like if you're rural, if uh, so, there's a lot of things that that add up, and it uh, it's pretty oppressive. Uh, disabilities um, uh, and indigenous, like these these. Uh, these factors really play heavily on the, on the kind of your chance of living in poverty or not living in poverty. Uh, So that was interesting. Um, Someone said that the, someone who benefits from, from poverty. And that was an interesting question. That's, that someone does benefit from poverty and that many people that actually benefit from poverty um, would be unknowing of that fact. Um, The people who are, you know, who are able to get low, Low-priced items are probably supporting poverty because they're uh, they're not paying enough for their items, and so people aren't being paid enough for their work. Um, so there's some interesting angles on it. Um, we heard a lot about home, like housing and, and food prices. Uh, housing affordability uh, was a big factor, um, just because that people often sacrificed food for housing, uh, and in some places they couldn't even afford housing after they sacrificed all their food. But yeah so there's, it's, it was it was an interesting process and it was really cumulative uh, we talked we talked about a lot of health uh, health seemed to weave its through way through a lot of things and that was uh, interesting to see how that actually played a part and how uh, that health equity uh, was a you know could be a foundational piece to a more uh, prosperous society but a, a more kind of equity based society as well
1: to hire construct for your next project or learn more about construct's employment program visit constructgta.ca well scott i wouldn't say i'm shocked at some of those things we know health housing poverty are all connected um, and unfortunately are becoming more and more challenging um, i encourage people to take a look at this report read through it scott's hitting on some of the highlights. And speaking of highlights, you mentioned earlier there were some recommendations coming out of this. These are the actions we need to take to make impact. Can you talk to us a, a little bit about those recommendations?
3: Yeah, the so we had we broke our recommendations down into five uh, distinct areas. Um, it was the the big thing, and uh, in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty we had our one of our recommendations was uh, kind of indigenous poverty and to really to move forward on some self determination stuff but obviously with the year that uh, 2021 was um in indigenous canada with the, uh with the kind of unearthing of of all the of the remains of all those of all the children and the, kind of that uh, systemic i don't know genocide of, of the generation and attempted genocide a, t- a generation of or multiple generations of uh indigenous canadians um it uh it, it was it, we we felt that deserved a lot more recognition. So our first one was Indigenous Prosperity, through Truth Reconciliation and renewed relationships. Um, we we kind of and and but there's so much work has already been done in this. So we thought that the best way we could support it was to kind of renew the calls to implement the actions of the Truth and Reconciliation Report, and the actions of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Report, uh, or those the, those calls to action. So. Uh, that was recommendation one, so we thought that was really important to to put that first and foremost. Uh, the second recommendation recommendation uh, was around equity. Um, so a lot of the stats that we have in Canada, so you know if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. That kind of idea um, uh, is is kind of compelling for some. Uh, I not not personally. I think that you know I think that things that move me in the heart move me first, uh, and things that move me in the head move me last. Um, but I think the combination of both are, are important. So, uh, a lot of groups that live in poverty in Canada, we have no count of. Um, we have no way to track who's living in poverty. We don't to track success. Um, so, and a lot of them were were based in the fact that of sexism, colonialism, racism. Um, so we figured that there need to be better way, better data, better uh, better survey uh, questions. Uh, better questions led to better answers, and better answers live to better data, and better data hopefully leads to better decisions. Um, The second piece was we have a goal for poverty, uh, and that's a goal for poverty generally, uh, but we don't have a goal. We didn't have goals established for any of the kind of the main marginal groups. Um, So any racialized Canadians or person with disabilities or uh, 2SLGBTQ, we didn't have any uh, kind of metrics on that. So we didn't have any goals set, and if you don't have a goal, you may not reach it, or you will reach it because you don't have one. Um, so, uh, we, we put that in, that so we should have a goal, um, that lines up with the national goal, uh, so that 50% reduction in poverty by 2030, uh, then we want to do like dignity. So there's a lot of programs that you have to, uh, beg and grovel for, and, you know, be a model, a model minority or whatever the program is. Um, you have to jump through a lot of hoops often to get, to get, uh, the support that's set up through that program to get it to you so we talked about things uh low barrier access better coverage uh maybe less oversight uh, in some cases or less kind of uh proving that you're worthy uh you know the worthy poor is a really weird concept uh, that we seem to perpetuate sometimes uh, and that you're worthy of if you're worthy of help and that uh, so we thought that we could put some things in place um really you know do a service design, like, you know, make it about the person, not about the system. Um, so some of that, um, and we talked about automatic enrollment as well. So there's some, there's a lot of benefits that exist within tax systems that are triggered by, or within the federal system that are triggered by taxes, the principal system that are tra- triggered by other things. But, uh, if they're eligible for them, then we should provide them automatically and not make people, uh, one know about the program. So someone has to tell them and to apply which may be, you know, a challenge for some, um, and then have a way to get it. So if they're eligible for it, give it to them. Like that's, seems reasonable. Um, it's almost like on Amazon when they said people who bought this might also like this. Um, if they just sent put that stuff, if you're eligible for it and it was going to be free, just give it to them. Um, then we looked at things that were, uh, upstream. So looking, looking upstream poverty prevention, uh, Canada's already announced a lot of things. Can a workers benefit? Can a disability benefit? Can a housing benefit? You know, uh, get on with it. Like get those things, like let's bring those things to reality. And so that was one of the calls to action. Um, and then to in- increase investments in some areas where where we're having, where we're not doing as well as we could. Food security, housing. Um, I obviously earlier learned childcare, um, but that's been a big uh, big step forward and we'll wait to see what that, that looks like. Um, what it actually turns into what, it, what the, what it feels like, I guess, when it hits the air. Uh, I know, Nova Scotia is moving forward on June 1st, um, and retroactive to January 1st. So we'll see, I think that may be the first one, of the first test cases. Um, we've seen what happened in Quebec, you know, 15 years ago, and we'll see if that holds true. Um, so that'd be interesting. And the last one was around employment income and employment income and income support. So, uh, one was the coordination of all benefits, provincial and federal. So, figure figure that out, so that the person that's living in poverty doesn't have to figure it out for you um, if you're eligible for benefit. And we provide so much benefits and supports, um, can we make them up so we're not providing support to people and then they're still living in poverty? So let's bring that up to the market basket measure to the Canada's official poverty line. Uh, so we, we had, that was one of our ones from 2021 as well or 2020. So we reiterated. um we talked about living wage 15 dollars an hour like we want to bring up the minimum living wage we're talking about minimum wage um and then yeah and, and increase access to employment benefits so if uh, so for ei and, and so we a lot of people working part-time and multiple jobs of the gig economy or um let's let's you know support them as well and that's kind of that's the shortest version of that i can say but it's comprehensive <laughs> sorry
1: Oh, no, I mean, hey, listen, if, if you want to see all the work, uh, we'll tell you where to go to check that out. But these are some solid recommendations. Let me ask you, uh, Scott, what, what do you hope the impact of this work will be from those recommendations?
3: Yeah, I think uh, if we could make, if we could just kind of uh, coordinate and align the benefits that already exist, um, you know, we'd, we'd be getting there. I think the goal of 50% living in of people, of a 50% reduction of people in Canada um, I think we started at 4.2 million or 4.8 million after the rebasing. We're down to 3.2 million. That's still 3.2 million too many people living in poverty. But if we got, if we reduce it by half, I think it's a good start. I think that would enable us to maintain the same budget, but then focus it on the, on the people that are remaining. Um, and then in, increase additional benefits, uh, uh, really try to, uh, increase your efforts. I think that the report. Um, provides government some actions but I think it also provides a uh, kind of a common agenda for everyone to work towards Um, so if you read this that the government could have low barrier access to programs and services maybe your organization could could as well Um, you know I think that there's there's some uh, kind of overarching thinking in it which uh, hopefully doesn't go lost Um, but it's really a call to action I think that poverty Uh, poverty is, is ours. It's not, it doesn't belong to people Live in poverty. Poverty belongs to our society. Um, And as long as there's any poverty, as long as any of us live in poverty, we all live in poverty. I love, live with poverty. Um, And I think that if, as a, as you know, Canada, the idea of Canada, I suppose, is, uh, I don't think it has poverty in it. Um, I don't, I'm not really willing to accept that we're all just okay with, one in 10 of of our friends, neighbors, and uh, family live in poverty. And so this is kind of our effort to do something about that.
2: Awesome. Um, And so we've talked about this report and how insightful it is and and how useful it'll be. And you spoke to this a little bit, but can you speak to where poverty in Canada is headed kind of after this report and, and with this report in mind?
3: Yeah. So, um, I think, well, poverty. Uh, so at the end of February, the Canada income survey comes out and that's the kind of the, the annual check-in. So we'll see where poverty is headed. Um, I know poverty's gotten kind of ha- has improved for all groups. It hasn't improved at the same rate for all groups. Uh, I haven't seen the numbers I, but I kind of, I think. Um, and that's maybe not worth anything, but I think poverty will go down again this year. Um, the, great, the influx of money into the economy from the federal government in response to um, the pandemic uh, has been huge. The, and this, this next year we'll measure, so 2022 CIS measures 2020 income. So I think 2020 income, first year of the pandemic, service in full effect, $2,000 a month, that's a lot more than a lot of people ever earned on social assistance, um, a lot of people left social assistance to go into a CERB, a lot of people took CERB and then forego their social assistance or got it clawed back or it depends on the province. Um, so I think poverty is trending down. I think that the people that are still living in poverty um, are probably living in a, in, a, in a greater depth of poverty now. I think that poverty, uh, the number might shrink, but the people that I think that we're getting the people on the edge of that poverty line and we're helping them just above it. Um, But I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's equity. I'm not sure that's dignity. I think that we need to get everybody from under it and put them above it and then start figuring out how we can find ways for them to contribute uh, for them once to fully participate in society. Um, And to do that this year, instead of our engagement with national conversations that were theme-based, we're doing kind of, cross-pollination we're looking at big kind of overarching themes of of the future um, like future proofing our social safety net that'll be one of our conversations this year so that will have food and housing and mental health and like I think and when we start having these conversations that bring in multiple perspectives from different corners of, the, of the, our country then we will start to get to someplace where we can uh, say okay well this could really make a difference and um, and this would change the system uh, not only a program or a support. So I think we have to get the change in systems if we're going to get to that 50% reduction of poverty, uh, but that's, yeah, hopefully that's where we get. Um, but we still have, you know, eight years to get there. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of work to put in before that happens.
2: Yeah. Yes, definitely agreed. And so where can people go to read and share the report and learn more about your work?
3: Yeah. So, uh, we have the, the report is on Canada.com or Canada.ca. I'm not, yeah, uh, I'll look up the actual, uh, but yeah. So it's on the, it's on the web. It's on the, you can look up uh, national Advisory council on poverty and it's in publications, um, but you, can you guys share the link as well?
2: Yeah, we can share that in the description of our,
3: uh, of this awesome. podcast for sure. And, uh, and, and, uh, on some, and most, uh, and some socials. So I think it's on, uh, the minute minister Gould has it on her, on her Twitter. Um, I know that some of the members have put it up on their socials as well. So, Great. It's, uh, Now, I, I've heard, I heard a
1: rumor, too, that in order to be on the council, all of you were going to get the uh, recommendations tattooed on your backs. Is that true, too? Uh,
3: it's, it's a rumor, um, but I've, I've also heard that it's inaccurate.
1: Uh, confirm nor deny, no, or you should. That should be, I mean, that to me is total buy it. Well, I think right? that, if we're gonna, yeah, it's
3: 100%. I think that the recommendations would get a lot shorter and simpler <laughs> if that was the case. So, uh, no, I think that the ultimate is, uh, let's, let's all end poverty, and I think I could, I could get behind putting that on my back.
1: All right, all right, you heard it here. Scott has uh, made a declaration, but listen, go check out this report. Uh, National Advisory Council on Poverty, they put a lot of hard work into this, some awesome uh, recommendations, some impactful uh, and insightful findings. Check it out. Uh, We hope to have you back every year to talk more about it and see the learnings, to see the great progress that we're making. Let's be positive. So, Scott, thanks so much to you and the council for all you do, and thanks for your time today, and thanks for sharing this work.
3: Yeah, Michael, one more thing. Um, sure. If you're interested in being part of these conversations that are coming up, um, reach out. Uh, you, can, you can find me on, uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn or uh, I'll, it can, I'll give you my email and you can put it in the description as well. Because um, I think part of it is that we, um, we don't need to talk to the same people that are doing the work all the time. I think we need to have unusual suspects. And I think unusual suspects uh, can build empathy in areas we don't we don't have currently access to, um, poverty is a one in ten problem in Canada. So one in ten people live in poverty. The other nine probably don't think about it very often. But that's all the other person, the tenth person. That's all they can think of. So I don't think that, that mental load is a is is a weight that we should allow that the, the that one one in ten person to bear on their own. So uh, if we can have that, the nine people start to become involved then and, uh, and understand and, and empathize around the problem. I think we can uh, we can make some strides. So if they're interested, if anybody that you're listening is interested in, in having a conversation or being part of a the conversation, um, they're but they're 90 minutes long, and there it's uh, it's it's time well spent. Thanks.
1: Ah, awesome. Thanks, Scott. You heard it here. Hey, if you want to get involved, be part of the solution. Talk with Scott. We will get you his information. Reach out to us on on the way home. Dot uh, ca. And we'll have that information for you. Scott, thanks so much for your work. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Meg, the temp, your last podcast. It was an awesome one. I mean, to have the chair of the National Advisory Council on Poverty on, Scott, to talk about this amazing work. It's a good way to go.
2: Oh, definitely. This is a great conversation. I think Scott did an excellent job of um, having some really valuable sound bites for us. I was writing it down in my notes, just some of the key and insightful notes they found from this report. I think it'll be so valuable for people to read. I think in terms of us, in terms of blue door and the Canadian Alliance to end homelessness, this is what we're, we're living right now. So a lot of the findings we're we're like, yes, we, we know this, we can see this in the work that we do. So in that way, it's really great to see that this national national council also is recognizing that and then making these really key recommendations, um, so I, I think it's really great to hear that and know that we have kind of that national team taking the steps to, to make that better and work on those items.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're making a difference. They're having an impact. Poverty is on the decline. Still, as Scott said, one is one too yeah. many. Um, but listen, a report is just a report until it actually you know comes into action. It just gathers us on a shelf. Uh, you know, old way of looking at books and stuff or online, make it, you know, be part of the solution. Check this out, share it widely. Let's push hard in a country like Canada where poverty is absolutely prevent- preventable. Uh, let's make sure we're doing just that. And 2030 want to be great. And this coincides actually with the National Housing Strategy where chronic homelessness and homelessness uh, will be ended. That's the goal by 2030 as well as poverty. So we've got eight years to do some pretty big and miraculous things, but we can make it happen.
2: Yes, definitely agree.
1: Well, Meg, listen. We're wishing you here on the way home at Blue Door at the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness, we are wishing you all the best uh, as you leave us to join the Piccadilly Circus. (laughs) Um, you You know, Meg is going on to a hospital foundation, which is super cool. She's going to continue to do great work there. We wish you all the best. Thank you for all the work uh, being there from the beginning when this was out of the blue onto On the Way Home, uh, you do great work. And uh, you know what? Be, there won't be, there will be another Meg the Temp.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Working with you and uh, and our wonderful producers as well from the pod plant and Stefania from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. It's, it's been such a treat and a pleasure to see this podcast grow into On the Way Home. Uh, I'm so proud of what we've done, and there is so much room to grow still. So I'm excited to be an active listener uh, and listen to you guys and the awesome guests we'll have in the future. So thank you for this this last ride as host. It's been awesome, and thank you, listeners.
1: Very cool, Meg. We wish you all the best. You have not heard the last one, Meg the Tap. Keep your eyes and ears open. She is going to make some real change happen across this country. Uh, And to the rest of you, we will see you next time on the way home.
4: Toronto website so that is unitedwaygt.org it's a it's a recently refreshed website so if you haven't been there for a bit you might notice that it looks a little bit different Uh, you can head to the work tab and and scroll to the bottom and you'll find uh, access to all of our reports there
0: that's awesome and because this report is so great uh, I know Michael and I are both very curious what you folks are working on now that we can look forward to
4: Yeah, I can touch upon um, some of the work that we're hoping to do, and then I'll turn it over to Isabel. But um, I think what we're hoping to do is really maintain a lot of momentum with this report to continue to do kind of engagement sessions, to do uh, some more knowledge mobilization around the contents of the report, continue to reach out to different actors to make sure that this this work kind of stays on, uh, on the agenda, on the focus. Um, and that we make sure that it's a part of the the housing solution in our region. So that's kind of the work that I'm going to be focused on over the next little while, is just continue connecting with different individuals um, about this particular, about this issue. Yeah, and then Um, maybe I'll I'll add in, it's non-housing related, but we are in the midst of some case study research really aimed at harvesting innovations made by social service agencies during the pandemic. It's, it's an exciting piece of work for me and from my perspective, because it really is attempting to identify some best practices relevant to other practitioners uh, across the sector. We're, we're aiming to have these ready by the spring and we'll share them widely. There's a lot of uh, learning and, and supporting of kind mm-hmm. of you know what, what people reference just like the, the modernization of the sector um, to be gleaned through, through those case studies.
1: Well, listen, this work is outstanding and so important, both Tricia and Isabel. You know, you could have sat back and said, hey, my work is done. Drop the mic and walked away. No one would have blamed you. But you are far from doing that. You are turning up the the pace uh, and continuing to do important, impactful work. We are so grateful to have you on the show. Grateful for you uh, bringing this forward and sharing it widely. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
4: Really, really glad to be here. I'm uh, happy to talk about our research anytime. Thanks again, that's great.
0: Well, Michael, that was, uh, you know, another really amazing conversation. And, you know, when we're we're talking about these, you know, legacy buildings that have been around for quite some time, and and folks have been living there since, you know, they, they were built, that really is home to them, and I think it gets, really tough when we're building, you know, new buildings like in Vancouver and rent is considered affordable at $3,700 for a three bedroom, like it's just wild. How can people, no wonder they're, you know, continuing to go back to where rent is, you know, as Tricia noted, like 13% cheaper, right, than than other buildings. It's, it's keeping people in a tough situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing I think that I picked up from this too is that we're so f- forward focus sometimes on we need to create new affordable housing, we need to build new affordable housing, Mm -hmm. that we forget about the current affordable housing stock that we have that this report shows is decaying, is falling apart, is not Mm -hmm. adequate anymore, and, and reinvesting in that as well. And we saw that with, say, Toronto Community Housing, where they had... God, I remember it was probably billions of dollars worth of backlog repairs. So if you don't pay attention to that, you're actually sliding backwards. You're not keeping up. You're not building new affordable housing because you're losing more than you're building. Uh, and it's important. These towers are important. They are home for people. They are affordable or more affordable. I always going to be careful with that, but more affordable. Uh, this is important work. And let's hope that all the recommendations are picked up and acted on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we know that there's that difference between affordability and deeply affordable. And I think we always need to be mindful of that when we're looking to kind of add to the units because obviously there's also a scarcity, you know, and I think um, reports like this, like you mentioned, are just really critical when we start looking ahead and planning ahead. So I thought it was great having them on the show. And yeah, I guess I will see you next week.
1: Yes, listen, we're off to a great start with this for 2022 guaranteed it just keeps getting better and better there are wonderful people out there both experts and lived experts doing great work they'll all be on the way home whether you're listening to this uh, in your home or on your way home we thank you Uh, subscribe share and we'll see you next time see you then stuff